So I'd just like to give you a little framework for this morning. This uh, really last time we have together formally on this retreat. We'd like to take a little bit of time just now to speak about the the practice and the, the skills and what is important and the concluding of the retreat and the <coughs> continuing of our journeys and the continuing of our lives. And that'll be the next 45 minutes or so. And then we'll take a little break. And then we'll come back together and there'll be a little time for some sharing um, for those who might wish. And some little bit of chanting, a little bit of extending of sharing of loving kindness and the goodness of what we've been doing here together. So that's uh, kind of what we have in mind. And the intention is that we'll be finished... uh, Actually, hopefully, and I think not unlikely, that we'll be finished well before 11 o'clock, the formal ending time of the retreat. If for anyone you're not able to stay entirely through that, please uh, do what you need to do as and when, but we hope that most of you um, will be able to be here through that. And we'll kind of tell you how the latter part works when we get there, in terms of sharing and chanting and other sort of things. Good, I was uh, heartened to hear your uh, uh, vocal cords and your chins to be functioning impressively this morning. (laughs) 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 You know, there's this kind of lurking suspicion that suddenly you find yourself, you come in there and there's one or two just kind of sitting there all frozen up. But maybe this is more a little teacher's horror fantasy than it. <laughs> it doesn't seem to be borne out by at least my anecdotal evidence. So, so. so coming off a retreat. Um, if this is your first retreat, uh, just basic, the, the, the piece of advice would be tread gently. Yeah, just um, spare yourself wild uh, sensory indulgences. Um, if you go home to people who haven't been on retreat or who, whom you m- would like to be part of this experience, don't be evangelical. Yeah? If you have the urge to convert to, you know, bring the torch of the Dharma into your <laughs> relational field and <clears throat> make Buddhists out of your families. So just drop it right there. You know, <laughs> uh, you know they, will, a, they will know how, how you feel by the way you open the door back home. Uh, and whatever you say is not going to be much worth. Uh, what, they, what will be much worth is if they see things have changed or you are different and if they're close and if they are attuned, they will notice that something has changed. That is going to be a lot more convincing than all your profound insights into the dynamic of dependent arising and your, uh, you know, <coughs> your vision for global implementation of the Brahma Viharas as mandatory <laughs> parts of the <coughs> educational curriculum or so. <laughs> So hold back a little bit on this one. You know, be Buddhist, soft sell, smile, let them ask, let them become curious, this kind of thing. As for yourself, allow yourself to, for the bits to assemble. This is not, uh, retreats are strange things. Some things are quite clear and quite uh, contoured in your experience and other bits are just you don't quite know where they belong. You, you may not know uh, what uh, the definitive outcome of this week is. Yeah. So allow yourself to be with bits that you don't know how to pigeonhole, that you don't know how to place, and that will integrate in the course of time, or will remain mysterious throughout the course of time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
for for either for either of those i would exp- i would hope you'll find the the patience in yourself there are bits we do know and that uh, entail that we act upon them and there are bits we that are emergent that are in statu nascendi that are not clear and crisp and we can't act upon there is a gray area in our lives you know it's not all black and white um, and some things are just not clear and we have to be skilled with the part in our hearts and in our minds which are not clear uh, irascible reaching for 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 quick fixes or for consequent solutions or for radical measures or so will not really meet that gray area some things are clear in our lives you know you are pregnant or you're not pregnant you have inflation or you don't there's generally not much in between you know but some many things are not that clear and we'll have to have the the sensitivity the patience to be with the bits that are not clear and on which we cannot act, which cannot be decisively changed or clarified or fixed or let go of. And you will have to in some way trust that process. I hope that meditation makes you more trusting and makes you more patient and leaves you with more skills to be with areas that are neither white nor black. It helps if you continue to do this. If I know, knew anything better than you know, daily, regular practice, um, I'd probably sell you my samadhi pills or something like that. But uh, the, the long run, you know, is, it's the continuity of your effort. It's the continuity of your application, the going back to the space where you're as honest with yourself as possible, what you feel, what you wish, and what you want to affirm as your values going back to that space and sitting in your own truth. Whether that truth be flattering and sweet and rewarding or whether that truth be bitter, challenging and takes your breath away, that you find it in yourself to go and meet that truth because your life will be transformed by meeting that truth and by staying in relationship with that truth. That is the most transformative stuff. Give yourself the time to do this and, you know, be realistic. If you want to do this on a regular basis, something will (laughs) fall out of your life. Our lives are full. I'm sure you're full. Yours is as full as mine. And if you want to do something regularly, you realistically have to say (laughs) something will have to probably go for this to have the space. So don't make meditation something to beat yourself up if you don't do enough of it. It's... It's the realistic continuity which is more powerful than heroic efforts, you know, sacrificing weekends for private little retreats. It's wonderful, but don't rely on this alone. (laughs) Find a realistic time that you can fit into your day. Uh, Try to keep it at that time. Establish a space in your physical world and in your relational world that respects your practice time. Switch off your mobile, don't do lists. Tell your kids and your partners that this is not the moment to hoover or to do homework with you. And, you know, prepare, are prepared to safeguard that space. Let them know that you, you're a more sensitive and um, caring and precious human being when they let you do that. <laughs> yeah, that may need a little bit of heart cell. <laughs> And then do it. Yeah. My recommendations are simple. Half of the time you have available, I would suggest you practice some form of samatha exercise. In other words, some form of stillness exercise. You don't solve problems. You don't do insights. You don't address deep stuff straight away. You do half of your time stilling the mind, calming, tranquilizing, stabilizing, settling the baby. Yeah. And the other half, you look at more closely and feel more closely into what stops you from getting more still. Yeah? You look at what's left. That half is, asleep, is, is very important as well. If you can bring in some metta practice, wonderful. 
check in the beginning of your sittings, your posture, your breath, the sensei tone of your body, the degrees of energetic availability, things like that. The routines of checking into various areas. You know, if you have a subtle chakra model, wonderful, use that. If not, just do hips and lumbar areas, heart, chest, and head. You know, just align yourself with gravity and touch into what you actually feel of yourself. Very simple. You can do that in three in-breath. You can do that with a 10-minute body scan or 15-minute body scan. Either way is fine. And then you open your heart. <clears throat> Once you've aligned yourself, you take refuge, that you're capable of waking up, that the principles that govern uh, your uh, reality, your experiential and phenomenal reality, are understandable. Yeah. They're not a secret. You're, initi you're enough of an initiate as a human being to have access to these principles. You can discern them, you can align yourself, you can... Uh, reconcile yourself with those principles and and then you listen what makes the heart more peaceful you find ways and develop the skills to quieten the mind take it away from its franticness take it away from all its musts um, and you play basically the you play blue mountain and white clouds you know? blue mountain is the blue mountain the white clouds are the white clouds Blue Mountain is stable and firm. The white clouds are moving. Yeah. However many white clouds there are, big clouds, small clouds, uh, thunderous clouds, gentle clouds, Blue Mountain stays the Blue Mountain. And the clouds are moving and the mountain stays put. And you trust in this. You learn to trust in your capacity to stabilize the mind. That things will become more clear. You don't have to answer all the questions. You have to hold the questions. Sometimes it turns out that the questions are not good ones. Some questions are not answered. They just fall away. Yeah. They turn out to be not accurate. They turn out to be obsolete. They turn out to be superfluous. Yeah. So not all questions need to be ticked or answered or comprehensively um, responded to. Sometimes you just wait and deepen, deepen into your own experience, into your own heart, into your own strength. And that lets you meet whatever you have to meet in your life. Consider what you have learned this retreat and ask yourself, what do I need to do to do justice of, to that which I know about myself. How do I need to live to do justice to what I have understood of my own experience and of my relationship to other beings? How could I do justice in my acts, the way I spend my money, the way I spend my time, the way I meet people, the way I hold conflict, the, the, the way I, I act as an agent of... Um, wherever I live and work, and um, how do I have to live to do justice to what I have begun to understand about my own heart, my own mind, my own relationship to world and others. Ask yourself, just how does this translate practically? Don't try to safeguard your stillness, or don't try to safeguard the exquisiteness of a retreat environment. You will lose it. It's quite clear. Stillness is conditioned. Samadhi is conditioned. If the conditions change, samadhi will go. The convertible currency is wisdom. Yeah. So the thing is, you have to turn your samadhi chips into wisdom chips. <laughs> Those you can take home. They are mobile. Yeah. The samadhi chips feel better. No doubt. Even the fantasy of samadhi feels better than the... <laughs> The actual, the actual real samadhi stuff, you know, it's, it's powerful. Happiness once in your bloodstream, you know, is quite a powerful drug. <laughs> so, uh, and yet, c consider, 
if your mind goes still, if you can be peaceful, if you taste the sweetness of a mind that is not distracted, then consider that you will not be able to maintain this throughout life. Don't make a meditational obstacle of your relationships, of your job, of your children. It's bad for them and it's bad for you. Please do not turn the rest of your lives into a meditational hindrance. It's not a good idea. Just acknowledge that you will not be able to maintain the conditions. Most of you will not be able to maintain retreat conditions in their lives. So you have to be humble enough to acknowledge this and seek comfort and refuge in continuity of your practice. Do not be too quick in <clears throat> assessing the value of practice on the basis of how it feels. Sometimes people have very simplistic notions. My meditation is good if it feels good. Yeah. As somebody who's been doing this for many years, I have to say, this is not very true. You know, it's very difficult to actually assess the value of your practice other than in hindsight. Even if you have deep absorptive states, you often only know what they exactly were when you have gone further. Yeah. You cannot generally recognize the territory you're in while you're in it. You know, if you want to actually have a map, it needs generally a lot more experience before you can more or less pinpoint where you are on that map. So don't draw the line underneath your meditative experiences right now. You may feel it doesn't work, or you may feel it's difficult, or you may feel it, I'm losing it. But in fact, you may still gain tremendous amount of insight. You may develop patience. You may weaken bad habits. You may strengthen good habits. You may acknowledge things that are painful and that you have spent large parts of your life displacing. All this is precious stuff, but it doesn't necessarily feel good. Yeah. Obviously, we don't add, write that in our brochures. Yeah. <laughs> we say, you know, Vipassana makes you happy. And placidity and serenity. But it's not how much you get, it's how much you can take that really counts. Yeah. So it's how, how much more you can let in before the reactiveness sets in. This is the transformative bit. So do not be fooled. If it doesn't feel good what happens in your practice, that doesn't mean it, your practice isn't working or isn't transformative or isn't effective. I wish you that your practice feels good. But sometimes it doesn't feel good. And it's still the most powerful and transformative thing you can do. So I would caution you to believe on the basis of Vedana, uh, an eva the eva evaluation of your meditative practices. <laughs> Things can be very healthy without tasting sweet. The opposite is, not, is also not true. You know, it's, it, your practice is not better the harder it hurts. Yeah. So consider this and seek help. Seek people with whom you practice. Make friends. There is a wonderful thing. You know, the notion of Sangha begins with the notion of noble friendship. Yeah. That's the whole core of communality. It's the whole core of both monastic and non-monastic forms of Sangha. It's that I meet another in the space of my heart and I recognize in this other not just my liking, but I recognize in him the being that aspires to growth. I sense and relate to that part in the other which is capable of growing and which has the, shares my aspirations. And this is a powerful way of strengthening our own practicing, meeting people in that space. This can be cultivated. If you're wondering what a good friend is, let me give you seven points. You like maps, isn't it? <laughs> so, a good friend is somebody who instills in me the wish that I emulate him. He instills, he or she instills in me respect. He or she instills in me affection and love. A good friend is somebody who is capable of listening. A good friend is somebody who is capable of giving advice. Notice the sequence there. Listening and then advice. Yeah? 
It's not always the case that advice comes after listening. Some people seem to give advice so that they don't have to listen. <laughs> um, a good friend is somebody with whom it is possible to touch deep subjects. A good friend is somebody who takes care that I don't squander my energies, my time, my money, my good faith. So it is somebody who is looking out for my well-being. If you now think, well, where are my good friends? God, yeah? <clears throat> uh, I'd encourage you to think also, to whom am I such a good friend? Yeah. Think of being such a good friend rather than just clamoring for, uh, you know, double-digit figures of good friends to be living in the immediate neighborhood. You know. So think of how you could be such a good friend, somebody who instills respect, love, and the wish to emulate that to be emulated. Somebody who is listening. Somebody who is giving advice. Somebody who is. Um, concerned with the deeper issues of life, somebody who looks out for others and makes sure that they don't waste time and energy and money. Consider that. And, you know, avail yourself of the sources. You're more privileged than any other generation of Buddhists, probably. You know, you have more access to Buddhist teaching than most of the people who you may think of are teachers. Yeah. hundred years ago, the Lama would come round once a year to bless the new baby and to look after the yak herds in eastern Tibet and you know, would give you a little initiation and do some rituals and then you would be off on your own again. Or the, <clears throat> the village monk would um, again would bless the new baby <laughs> and bury, bury dead people maybe and do some chanting and tell you to behave and give you some teaching on generosity, on meditation, maybe on ethics. And for many Buddhists, traditional Buddhists, this would be the amount of teaching they received in there. You know, if you go to a Tibetan monastery, you generally don't find huge meditation halls there. Certainly not for the lay folk. The majority of Thai monks still today, this is a quarter of a million, don't meditate, just to be clear. You know? small segment who are actually engaged in contemplative exercises. So you guys have both teaching, you have institutions, you have facilities, you have websites, you have books. There's so much shared accessible information about Buddhist teaching that is unparalleled at any time in Buddhist transmission. So make use of this. Consider yourself privileged. These are confusing and fascinating times. And uh, rated as a privilege to be at this time around and grow, make use of the best. Listen, associate with people, give your support to centers, to your local groups, to folks who, who need your support in some way and support yourself by doing so. So thank you for having practiced with us. remains to be said. That's beautiful. Thank you. So I pick up on the theme of Sangha and we need each other for this. We need each other actually for any endeavor we do. The idea that we do anything on our own, even if it looks that way, is a, not a complete view. It's not an accurate view. Everything is, that we do, everything is resting on everything else. So whatever we're working with, <clears throat> our inner life, always, right? Our inner life, particular issues, particular problems, particular growings, unfoldings, we need each other. 
whether we're working in our communities, whatever work we do, taking care of family, of aging parents, of dying ones, of children. Seek support, seek the support of your Sangha. If you don't have a Sangha, find a Sangha, make a Sangha, go online to look for the extraordinary number of resources that are there that help us remember what we what is our noblest aspiration for this lifetime because it's so easy to forget i think it's easy to forget so many things come in and crowd the mind and two clicks of my computer and there's already some peculiar unwholesome track you can go down and delight in somebody's misfortune Right? And there's a million things popped up on my screen, when well, a million, three or four things popped up when I looked at the BBC News yesterday. The news was the news, which has its own level of digestion needed, its own level of time, its own level of how to bring that into my heart. How much can I take? Right? It's not how much I can get, but how much have I the capacity for? Is my capacity growing for receiving this world in its beauty? And it's horror. And popped up on my screen, you know, three or four of these sort of fascinating things that you can just click on and find out that don't lead somewhere good. Right? Many things do. But can we discriminate? Can we have that kind of filter for ourselves? And we'll feel when I, you click on, you know, I saw it last night. Maybe they pop up on your screen. Eight of the worst facelift botch jobs in, right? <laughs> right? And there's a picture, and it's like, click there, and then you're down the road, right? Down the road. What is going to protect us? You know, in the era where the, in the era, not, not, you know, from the, just from that sort of peculiar fascination that we have, which I think is one of the uh, enemies of mudita, right? The taking joy in the wholeness, the goodness, the, the development of each other. That fascination with others' misfortune, which is different than reading the news and holding a space in our heart. All right, so what's going to protect us? In the age where the Lama, or the, or the places where that's still the case, where the Lama goes once a month, there probably isn't so many things appearing on the screen. Right? We're having to handle a lot of information. So the discrimination and needing each other to help us make that discrimination. Whether you can put filters on your computer, you probably know better than I, but whatever it is, what kind of steadfast... Um, remembering of what it is I most want to ennoble this life with and knowing what pathways lead to that and which ones do not. Right? This is something we're learning, this generation, actually, um, in a faster way. One, <coughs> flick of my, one flicker of my mind, one flicker of my finger, and I could be lost for an hour and a half right? on something. So we're finding ways to, to do that together. Let, I'm just naming it here as it's a, a newer piece needing each other, whether we're uh, serving our community or we're looking into issues of this world that we're handling. The humans have always handled the effects of greed and hatred and delusion, or not handled. We can tumble into them further. Right? But in our world, as Kinchino says, these are confusing and times of potential, where the effects of our collective actions as a as nations, as a planet, as Westerners, as white people, as people of color, all the effects of our collective actions ripening right here for us to handle together. Seek support, plug into the networks that are handling these issues that are working with the things that they may be in the background of our consciousness if they're not forced into our face, right? Sometimes we have privileges still where things aren't forced into our face daily, but some do not have that privilege. What can we handle? What can we take on? 
what can we bow towards and say, yes, I too am in this with you. I too am in this with you of those in those Pacific Islands whose water levels are rising fast. I too am in it with you when you don't feel safe to walk in your own country, in your own cities. I too am with you as you handle your inner life and the legacy that you've inherited for better and for worst. I'm in this with you. Not forcing ourselves to throw ourselves in, we need to take care of this vessel. We need to do our practice. We need to establish the firmness, the ground, our touching the earth, our access with what is timeless, what is immediate, not getting lost in the stories of the beauty or the pain, but yet handling, handling what comes to me and what I start to be able to open more towards. And this is not just nobling, this is not just potentially helpful. This is something that enhances all of us. This is something that enhances all of us. The more we see that we're in this together, this mystery, this small blue-green planet, this Dharma Sangha, even this body I call my own. We're all in this together. I want to read a story. I suspect some of you know it because it came from this country. I really like it. It's by Naomi Shihab Nye. She's a Palestinian-American. Yes, the glasses thing. Oh, thank you. It's called Gate A4. Do you know this one? He thinks I should put this on this. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) It's good, I can see it. I can see it. Thank you, my. It's it's easier like this, actually. (laughs) Gate A4. Wandering around the Albuquerque airport terminal after learning my flight had been delayed for four hours, I heard an announcement. If anyone in the vicinity of Gate A4 understands any Arabic, please come to the gate immediately. Well, one pauses these days. Gate A4 was my own gate. I went there. An older woman in full traditional Palestinian embroidered dress, just like my grandma wore, was crumpled to the floor, wailing loudly. Help, said the flight service person. Talk to her. What's her problem? We told her the flight was going to be late and she did this. I stooped to put my arm around the woman and spoke to her haltingly. This, this will be my attempt. Shudawa shubibuk habibti. Stan shway mitfadlik shubit shway. The minute she heard any words she knew, however poorly used, she stopped crying. She thought, she thought the flight had been cancelled entirely. She needed to be in El Paso for major medical treatment the next day. I said, no, we're fine, you'll get there, just later. Who is picking you up? Let's call him. We called her son. I spoke with him in English and I told him I would stay with his mother till we got on the plane and would ride next to her southwest. She talked to him. Then we called her other sons just for the fun of it. (laughs) Then we called my dad and he spoke and she for a while in Arabic and found out, of course, they had 10 shared friends. (laughs) Then I thought, just for the heck of it, why not call some Palestinian poets I know (laughs) and let them chat with her. This all took up about two hours. She was laughing a lot by then, telling about her life, patting my knee, answering questions. 
She had packed a sack of homemade mamoul cookies, little powdered sugar crumbly mounds stuffed with dates and nuts, out of her bag, and was offering them to all the women at the gate. To my amazement, not a single woman declined one. It was like a sacrament. The traveller from Argentina, the mum from California, the lovely woman from Laredo. We were all covered with the same powdered sugar and smiling. There is no better cookie. And then the airline broke out free beverages from huge coolers and two little girls from our flight ran around serving us all apple juice and they were covered with powdered sugar too. And I, knew to, I noticed my new best friend, by now we were holding hands, she had a potted plant poking out of her bag, <laughs> some medicinal thing with furry green leaves, such an old country tradition, always carry a plant, always stay rooted to somewhere. And I looked around that gate of late and weary ones, and I thought, this is the world I want to live in, this shared world. Not a single person in that, in that gate, once the crying of confusion stopped, seemed apprehensive about any other person. They took the cookies. I wanted to hug all these women too. Then she says, this can still happen anywhere. Not everything is lost. Thank you, Naomi. <laughs> really, what a, what a woman. And it's not that we have to be able. We, we work with our capacity and we work with our limitation, right? But we, something in us knows we're all in this together, even if that's scary sometimes. I would like, if I may, I checked out with Lou, I'd like to um, introduce you to Lou and Kristen. Lou and Kristen, at, um, would you just raise your hands? There's Lou. Just bri- you can just briefly stand up. Yeah. Just, stand just, up. and then you can you can sit down again. Thank you. Yeah. Lou and Kristen, if you um, would like at all to make contact at any point, uh, have begun and uh, developed a beautiful offering to the Sangha and to our world called One Earth Sangha. And they're both in DC Sangha, but this is actually intended for any of us, all of us practitioners, any sincere beings looking into the issues of our planet at this time, to plug in, to, to see what's of interest to me there on a personal level, collective level, handling the issues that arise as we um, head into the era of further climate change and all the ways that through our ignorance together or are not seeing clearly our lack of maturity as a species has meant that we have uh, we're, we're reaping the fruits of that on many many levels and all the issues of the ba- the way the boundless heart the way we have treated any beings any nations any groups whoever we are, whoever the we is in that moment, with the sense of other, those breaches in the boundless heart, there's something for us in this generation, I think, to recognize not only the effects of that, but the healing of that, the potential of that, the ennobling of each other in that, and the delight in doing that work, the real delight. So check, check, that website out. It's not just intended as a website, but that's a platform from which many teachings and sanghas are hooking up. And there's many of you doing much great work in this room, and I don't know all of the half of it. (laughs) And I'm sure each one could tell their story of what they're working with, whether it's the work of just being able to get up in the morning, if that's your work right now. If it's whatever it is, Whatever it is you're sincerely with, I thank you for it. Find each other to get the support you need for whatever way you're touching this life and this mystery. Practice.
please practice um, opportunities for practice. I would like to just tell you about the next time these two lovely men are next here teaching, should you wish to practice with them. Um, Yan, I will be here in the summer with Narayan and Christina in July. Is that right? In July, IMS. And Akinchino will be uh, at the study centre. If you haven't seen or don't know, there's a study centre very close by in the woods um, for a two-week study programme in June. And from mid-June to the end of July, so a six-week block, at the Forest Refuge, another beautiful centre, incredible facilities and privileges, and amazing. For six weeks over there a retreat with uh, in-depth structured satipatthana instructions. That's the foundations of mindfulness. And I think people can join for a two-week block uh, or for the entire thing. So these are possibilities. And finally, I think, from me... Um, Catherine will come back. I'm coming back for new, the New Year's retreat, yeah. Yeah. Um, the interface for all of this is this body practice mindfulness of body things that help you wake up in body take care of your body take care of the earth element the water element the air the fire right we need each other's fire in this world right take care here So my mind's scrambling with some kind of joke about how we must have got pretty deep into the timeless realm, um, <laughs> since our timekeeping hasn't particularly accorded with what we had in mind, but it really doesn't matter. And I'm just really feeling the fullness and appreciation of uh, receiving the teachings just now from Catherine and Akinchino and... Uh, just really the good fortune of this time here at a personal level for me. There's a few things I'd like to offer just briefly and then we'll take a break. You might have seen on the notice board that there is an IMS Yogi group on the Insight Timer app. Wow! So you know what that is on your phone or your laptop or your um, tablet? You can plug into an app that kind of encourages you encourages you to do some meditation and lets you know everyone else who's doing the same and when they're doing it. And it sounds like you can even group into subgroups of the people who've been to IMS and have your little light shine on the planet on that map or theirs to let you know that you're not the only person out there doing it. I've heard people say it's kind of fun and rather useful. There's a little note on the notice board. I'm just giving it some airtime. <coughs> Yeah, we're doing this together. We can't do it by ourselves, but we can do this together. Waking up together. It's one way we can translate, as a friend of mine in New Zealand did, Buddha, Dharma, Sangha. Awakening truth together. Buddha, Dharma, Sangha. It's the whole thing, and it's right here. So a few pieces I just want to round us off with, uh, or round off some of it practical. Sorry if you wrote us a note and we didn't manage to respond, or you asked us a question and we didn't manage to answer it, and particularly if we actually in attempted and endeavoured directly to answer the question and still didn't manage to do it. <laughs> That's how it is sometimes. 
One of the things that we see as we learn is what serves us, what serves well-being. This uh, discernment, this capacity to recognize that which is wholesome and to orient towards it, to feel the natural way in which our hearts orient towards that which is wholesome and brings well-being for ourselves and others. And the natural way in which as we start to see and clearly understand what leads to harm, to suffering, that undermines well-being, we naturally start to move away from it. It's only so far as we don't see those things clearly that our system behaves in any other way. It's a natural, organic thing. It is the, the loving intelligence that expresses itself as this life, we could say. We could say it different ways too, but I've just said it that way. It's the loving intelligence that expresses itself as this life that we are part of, that we are made of, that we are privileged to be present to and expressions of in whatever ways and degrees that we are able to be. That's what's important here. And so let's keep making it important just as we already are. Keep remembering that it's important. We don't need to make it important. We remember that. Some of you have asked about uh, sharing what we've been doing here. As a Kenshin, I said, share it by living it rather than selling it. And two different ways I mean that. One is that we don't need to advertise this stuff. It advertises itself by what we are and how we grow and how we begin to ever so quietly glow within that growing, at least some of the time. And in terms of sharing, people have asked of, to borrow or to use materials that are offered. From where I'm sitting, I'm speaking just personally here, anything that has been offered to you, certainly from myself, has been given to me. And I'm really happy to give it back to anyone who's interested in it. And you're very welcome to share it with anyone you like. And as regards to specific materials, that from where I'm sitting, you're happy to sh- I'm happy for you to share it, but please don't take them and sell them. It's that simple. In your professional capacity, if you wish to use things, it's fine. But the things that I've offered are to be offered. That's how I'd like it to be. Um, Of course, what you do with that is for you to determine. There was a few requests for the poem that I read out in the morning. Was it yesterday? Yeah, it was yesterday. Um, And one of them I'll recite again. You can find it online by Rumi. The other, my own, I've posted. And really, in some ways, it says all of what I wish to say at this time. Rumi says, The breeze at dawn has secrets to tell you. Don't go back to sleep. You have to ask for what you really want. Don't go back to sleep. People, beings, are walking back at the threshold, back and forth at the threshold where the two worlds meet. The door is round and open. Don't go back to sleep. So may we, together, continue to deepen in this awakening journey, this awakening life that asks us to give what we can. And in so many ways, what we receive in this life is simply and directly in relationship to what we have found ourselves able to give to it. And that isn't some self-sacrificial prescription or model for measuring ourselves in terms of goodness or otherwise, but just actually an expression of the way things are, the fundamental teaching of the Buddha, the conditionality and causality of wholesome intentions bringing well-being and happiness. It just works like that. It's not that complicated. We can do it, and we are.
So I think that's enough just for now. We'll take 10 minutes and come back. In fact, let's say we'll come back for just 11 o'clock. Sorry, 10 o'clock. It's now 10, 11 minutes before. Could we have a volunteer to ring the bell in five minutes? Thank you. There. Um, and what I'd like to say is that if you wish to be in here, you're welcome to just have a quiet word with your neighbours if you wish. Once you leave the space, I'm going to ask you to, in a very committed way, hold the, the silence. Because I know, through many years' experience, if you start talking once you go out there, you will not come back. <laughs> That's a kind of metaphor in itself. Now, that might not be absolutely true for all of you, but I've done this enough time to know that this is what it works. And what it means is it gives us more time here. If everyone comes back so that we're back here, we can begin. We'll take 30, maybe 40 minutes, maybe a bit more or less, depending what seems needed, to make a space. And I'll tell you how that will work when we get here. So be here in uh, 10 minutes when we'll do that. And then we'll finish, as I said, before 11. Bless you. So as I said, do what you need to do, drink, toilet, stretch out there, silent out there, you can chat in here if you like. Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.